Good afternoon, producer Susan. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Judy Joe. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Summer's here. Been out cranking up the barbecue. How about yourself? Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, but had had to mow my lawn. Uh, it it rains so much here. Unlike Colorado, uh, we've had to we're gonna mow the grass about every six or seven days. Yeah, I was gonna say about every five days. <laughs> All right. Um, anything exciting happen in your in your life in the last week? Uh, my nephew graduated from college this weekend. Well, fantastic. Uh, what college was it? Uh, King's College up in uh, the Poconos. You know what his major was? He had a double major. I'm kind of impressed. Criminal justice and sociology. So does he want to be a lawyer, a judge, or a cop? Uh, I think he wants to be a cop. Well, very good. There's certainly enough of those openings. Uh, uh, yeah, we won't talk about uh, qualified immunity, but hopefully... He uh, he doesn't apply to any place where they where they've done away with uh, qualified immunity for police officers, so he couldn't be sued. Anyway, uh, as usual, we have a very very full agenda here. Hope I can fit it all in. Um, somebody said, you know, you ought to tell people what day you're recording this on. So anyway, so today is May 23rd, um, and and again, the focus of the show is news and perspective. You won't hear in TV, um, and I'm going to try to blow through a whole bunch of stuff today in about 30 minutes. Um, ever heard the name uh, Bum Phillips? I don't think that I have. Well, he's a famous NFL football coach. He's 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 since passed away, but a very very famous NFL. And our quote of the day is from the NFL, the late Bum Phillips, and it's on when you actually become a failure. And according to Bum Phillips, it has nothing to do with how many times you failed. Um, in our stupidest thing I've heard all week segment, once again I couldn't narrow it down to just one, so we have three contenders to pick from. And I'll play all three. The first is from a congresswoman who's trying to discredit an FBI whistleblower who's testifying under oath before a congressional committee. The second is from an author who claims that waking up and starting your workday early is a symbol of white supremacy. And the third is from an alleged study published by the uh, Journal of American Medical Association that concludes that climate change is responsible for an increase in gun violence. You're going to have to decide, uh, but from just those brief Things you got a you got a leading contender if you had to handicap yeah, this race. I, I got to hear more about all these. Okay. Um, we'll uh, we'll tell you about a uh, CDC released a study and there was a stunning statistic in the study about a very very tiny demographic, a single digit demographic group that accounts for more than one third of all homicide victims. You, uh, you may or may not be surprised by what that demographic group is, uh, how small it is and how large of a, a chunk of uh, homicides it accounts for. Um, here's a little, th I did some math over the, somebody asked me, well, what's, you know, about the illegal immigration, what's it costing the taxpayers? Well, uh, since Biden was sworn in as president, an estimated 6.6 .6 additional illegal Im uh, immigrants have entered the country. Uh, we'll tell you what the annual cost to taxpayers is to feed, house, clothe, provide medical care, and to provide education to the children of those immigrants. And I think you might be stunned by that number. In our economic literacy segment, uh, we have a letter by a professor of economics at George Mason University to a man who wants to know how does he explain to his college-age sister uh, why capitalism is better than socialism. And I want to read that letter from that professor that he sent to this man. Um, you're pretty uh, tech savvy. You ever heard of a, uh, an app called Temu, T-E-M-U? Yes, I have. It's a, a 
I don't know that the app itself is Chinese, but it, its roots are basically you're buying Chinese products. Chinese product. Do you have that app on your phone? I do not. I do not support uh, buying. I mean, I won't say that I don't buy them, but I, I, I try to always buy local when I can. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you why that app is dangerous. And if you know anybody who has that app on their phone, why they should delete it. So anybody listening who has Timu on their phone, or you know of anybody who has Timu on the phone, I'm going to tell you some shocking things about Timu and why, if you have it on your phone, you should get rid of it. And if you know anybody, you should urge them to get rid of it. And our taxpayer relief shot is from Las Vegas, where a man is being chased by the police. And in his attempt to get away from the police, um, he tries to carjack a guy so he can jump in the car and get away from the police. Unfortunately for the thug, the driver of the car he tried to carjack was armed. And I'm guessing you can probably figure out how that turned out. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So our quote of the day by from the late Bum Phillips. And here was his quote on failure. He said, you will fail all the time, but you aren't a failure until you start blaming someone else for your failures. What do you think of that uh, that sentence by him? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I think we we need to use our failures as a learning opportunity. And if you're going to deflect your failures onto somebody else, you're not going to learn anything. Uh, yeah, and you look at the history. I mean, I, I, the list of famous people have gone. I think Henry Ford went bankrupt a couple of times. I think Abraham Lincoln uh, was bankrupt. And uh, there's a whole list of people. You can just Google the, the phrase famous people who have declared bankruptcy. And you'll see a long list of famous people who have who have gone bankrupt. Uh, so I, I really like that. And again, uh, I don't know of anybody who hasn't failed at multiple things in their life. Some things are small, some things are big. But again, you'll, you're going to fail all the time. Um, and what was the saying from Rocky? It doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get up. Get back up. Yep. Get back up. All right. Um, so again, I think that's a great quote. Uh, you're not a failure until you start blaming someone else for your failures. All right. So here's our three contenders for the stupidest thing I've heard all week. Now, let me set the stage for this first one. Now, you're aware of the uh, the, Durham the Durham report that came out last week where uh, the special prosecutor just ripped the FBI a new one for, mm -hmm. for the thing with the Russian collusion in the Mueller report yep. and how they buried stuff and, and they knew that the Steele dossier was incredible. You're familiar with the Durham report that came out mm -hmm. last week? Yep. Well, anyway, so Congress, you know, so Congress was holding a hearing, you know, following up on, on all of the uh, things that the Durham report uncovered. And they had an FBI whistleblower there. Well, some of the Democrats weren't happy uh, with this guy blowing the whistle on FBI misconduct. So when it came time, one of the um, one of the the, the the women on the committee, uh, apparently she had tasked her staff. She wanted to discredit this guy. And this is Representative Linda Sanchez from California. Um, and so she wanted to discredit this this FBI whistleblower. So she had her staff do something that's called, you know, opposition research. And she's trying to trap this guy, make him look bad. And here's how ridiculous this thing gets. Here we go. Hopefully this is her and not an ad. Nope. The ad is going to replay. So we're going to have to pause this till the ad runs through. Um, here we go. Mr. Allen, have you ever used Twitter? Yes or no? I have utilized Twitter, yes. Okay, and is your account at Marcus A9705645? That is absolutely not. Now, 
She ju he just told me he's testifying under oath, but he's a black man by the name is Marcus Allen, a very common name. And he has just told her, no, ma'am, and he's under oath, no, ma'am, that is not my account, but she doesn't care. Here we go. My account. Okay, that's not your account. Well, on December 5th, 2022, an account under the name Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said- That is not my account, ma'am. You haven't let me finish the question, sir. The football player. You haven't let me finish the question. On and the time is mine. On December 5th, 2022, an account under the name of Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, quote, Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th, retweet if you agree, end quote. Do you agree with that statement? Yes or no? That That is, I don't, no, ma'am. That's not my account at all. I have no I'm asking idea. whether you agree with that statement, yes or no. Can you please rephrase the statement? Yeah. Do you think I'm the that lady has expired? Staged January sixth. I just want him to answer. He'll answer. He'll answer. Question. Yeah, he'll answer. I'm just telling you your time's up. Do you believe that Nancy Pelosi? Do you agree with the statement that this person tweeted that Nancy Pelosi staged January sixth? Yes I, or I no? No. Thank you. Now, what a colossal waste of time that was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, well, I found this random quote, which I now concede is not your quote, but I now want to know, do you agree with this random, random tweet by somebody neither one of us know? How stupid and colossal waste of time was that? Mm -hmm. So, all right. So that's contender number one. Contender number two. Um, this is from Reason Magazine. And the author of this article uh, claims that um, the practice of waking up, not only the practice, but also advocating um, the benefits of waking up early and getting an early start in your day um, uh, is symptomatic of white supremacy. And here's the opening quote to his article. The notion of waking up early and starting your workday with the rising sun is often associated with productivity, success, and a strong work ethic. However, this seemingly innocuous concept is not without its historical and cultural implications. In this article, we will explore the origins of this early rising narrative and how it is rooted in, quote, white supremacy, contributing to the perpetration of racial inequalities. To dismantle the white supremacist root, the, to dismantle the white supremacist roots of the early rising narrative is essential to challenge the idea that waking up early is inherently virtuous and indicative of success. So that's contender number two. So so far, would you put the congresswoman ahead of him, or would you put this one ahead of the congresswoman? I think I'm going to put that one ahead of the congresswoman. All right. Now, and here's the third JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association has laughably published what they call a study. And, 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 you know, studies, you know, studies have certain aspects. Was there a control group? You know, did you look at other factors? Their study concluded, and I call it a study in the, the loosest of terms, that, quote, climate change is responsible for an increase in gun homicides. And here is, here's one of the, the, the biggest thing they base their, their conclusion on. Here's a quote from the study. Past studies have linked warmer temperatures uh, to higher incidences of gun violence, a 2020 study found. Oh, a, a 2020 study found that shootings in Chicago to be more likely to occur on in on warm days. Now, let's just stop and pause that for a minute. When do warm days occur? Do they occur in January and December? 
What are no, they in June, July, August. And I have heard that statement many times. Right. But so, so obviously, so when the day, when it's June and July, are the days shorter or longer? They're very long. They're, you're, you're at least 12 hours a day late, if not 15 hours a day late. Right. And do people tend to congregate outside yeah. in parks and street corners? Yeah. So more so than when it's uh, six degrees and pitch black mm -hmm. in, in, in Chicago, right? I mean, yeah. have you ever, ever been to Chicago in the wintertime? Yeah, it's not a pleasant place to be. Not not a pleasant. I'm not going to. And by the way, most shootings in this country do occur outdoors. So uh, to conclude that, yes, more shootings. And, and you can look at the data month by month from Chicago. Mm -hmm. So, yes, more shootings happen in warmer weather because, A, the days are longer and it's more pleasant to be outside. But to say that the 0.4 degree Fahrenheit increase in temperatures over the past decade is responsible for an increase in shooting. Now, by the way, here's the other thing they didn't look at. I did. You know, they found there's been a 7% increase in shootings in the in the summer months. Uh, guess what? There's also been a 7% increase in the shootings in January, December, and February. So the, the same in it's same percentage increase on average occurs in the winter and the summer. So obviously a four tenths of a degree increase from six degrees to six point four degrees in January isn't enough to to change behavior. Would you would you agree? Yeah. So to say, well, so they're basing this whole thing on the fact that more shootings occur in warmer weather, which are coincident with longer days, mm -hmm. um, to base an entire study that a four-tenths of a Fahrenheit average increase in temperature is responsible for an increase in shootings, I think is the the height of sloppy science. Any mm -hmm. you know, any reaction to their quote alleged Yeah, study? no, they're, they're taking actual facts and they're twisting them to fit their narrative. By the way, what, you know what one of the, uh, the, the primary rules of statistical analysis is? What's that? Uh, that uh, correlation does not imply causation. And yes. here's an example. Um, I can show you data that ninety that more than 97% of heroin addicts drank cow's milk before the age of three. That's a pretty high correlation, isn't it? Yes. But for me to, 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 to therefore, but for me to then conclude, well, therefore, drinking cow's milk before the age of three must be a causal factor for heroin addiction later in life. That would be the equivalent because correlation does not imply causation. Yet in this study, they're saying just because A correlates with B, A must be the causal factor of B. And that is the that violates the very first rule of statistical analysis. So I'm going to ask the listeners to vote. But given those three, the JAMA study on climate change and gun violence, uh, early rising being a symptomatic of white supremacy, and the congresswoman attacking the FBI whistle, whistle, whistleblower, with a Twitter account that isn't his, which one of those would you put as the winner this week? I'm going to go with the correlation between waking up early and white supremacy. Uh, the woman uh, who, with the Twitter account, you know, she was trying to make a point, although a bad point. Um, she was trying to make a bizarre, twisted point. And well, again, she was, trying to, she was trying to trap the guy. With yeah, the, trying to trap him. And then the, you know, the with the climate change and, and gun-related shootings, they're taking, again, actual facts and twisting them to fit their narrative. So yeah, I'm going to go with the correlation between um, waking up early and white supremacy. Yeah, that it's a, that's a symptom of white supremacy. All yeah. right. 
Now, by the way, this this I didn't originally have this demographic uh, fact in there, but uh, when it came to the um, the JAMA study on shootings, it, it I remembered this. A couple of weeks ago, the CDC Center for Disease Control released the study, um, and there was a shocking statistic in this study. And by the way, if you want to find the study yourself, it's called a public health crisis in the making. And here's the statistic that you would find. Young black men and teens made up more than a third of firearm homicide victims in the USA in 2019. One of several disparities revealed in a review of gun mortality data. Um, and here was the, here's the statistic. Black men between the ages of 15 and 34, and that demographic is just 2% of the population. Black men age 15 to 34, that's 2% of the general accounted for 37% of all gun homicide victims. And if you look at the FBI data, 98% of black homicide victims are killed by, you know, uh, by black assailants. So this is not, you know, white men killing black men. This is black men killing other black men. Can you, I mean, is that astounding that 2% of the population accounts for one third of the homicide victims in this yeah, country? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's pretty both terrifying and sad and and i think what it comes back to i think i've i've at, at some podcast in the past i've quoted that statistic by barack obama from the speech he gave on father's day in 2008 where he talked about children going growing up in homes without a father how many more how more much more likely they are to wind up in prison uh, be killed on the street and I, again i think it's this lack lack of a father figure uh and unfortunately at the time he gave that speech, I think he said 54% of uh, black children were going up a home, uh, you know, in homes without a father. And, and that was in 2008. Uh, and in the past 15 years, I think that number has gone from 54% to 74%. And again, when you don't have a father in the home, you don't have a family, you don't have family values. So you join a gang and the gang's values become your values. And, and it's just a sad spiral that we're in and I, I i really i have no idea how to fix it uh but again um the biggest threat to a black man in today's society is another black man and i'll just leave it at that unless you've got something to add no i barack obama said it yep um and, and it's again, unfortunately it's, gotten worse it's it's gotten worse and i, I and again I, I wish i could suggest an answer but i really don't and, you know, banning guns, isn't it, with 250,000 guns being stolen in this country every year, which, by the way, well, when you think of, of the these these particular black men that are shooting other black men, the majority of those guns are obtained illegally. So gun laws will not prevent that. 100 percent correct. And there's actually a study every every year. The city of uh, Chicago puts out something called the gun trace report uh, of guns they recover from crime scene. That's the, the vast majority of the guns they recover were previously stolen. Um, well, especially when you're talking about teenagers, because teenagers can't own these guns legally. Yeah, they can't buy or own them. So they're, and, and CBS, by the way, if you want to, somebody wants to fact, CBS News uh, did a special called The Guns of Chicago. And in one scene, a female reporter is talking to a group of young black men. They're all wearing masks and they all got guns in their belts. And she says to one guy, one of the young black teenagers who's got a gun in his belt, how tough is it to get a gun in Chicago? You know what the young black man tells her? probably as easy as getting a pack of cigarettes or a bottle of beer. His quote was $30 and 30 minutes. Do you want one? 
That was his answer to her. So that's how easy it is to get a gun in Chicago. So again, he's not getting it from a gun store. And and nobody and nobody's going to no legal gun owner is going to sell a gun that's a three, four, five hundred dollar gun to somebody for 30 bucks. Yeah. That's that's a gun that was stolen for drug money. I mean, that was a gun that was stolen from burglary and just flipped for, for drug money. All right. So let's go back to our 6.6 million illegal aliens um, and what it's costing to house and feed them. Uh, and that's just the 6.6 that have entered the country since Biden became president January 21st, 2021. So um, do you remember what the mayor of New York City put the daily cost per immigrant in? To uh, I want to say what it was $300 a day. $350 per day. Now, of course, okay. that's in one of the most expensive cities in the country. And so let's just assume that, hey, you know, if you're not in New York City, let's knock that down by two thirds and let's just knock it down to a hundred bucks a day. And by the way, people say, well, that's $36,000 a year. You know, I could live on that. Well, guess what? You know what the, uh, there's a lot of costs that um, families benefit from that they don't have to pay for. One of them being education. Um, do you know what the average cost per pupil is to to put a uh, put a kid in public school per year? Uh, it's it's expensive. <laughs> it's like fourteen thousand three hundred dollars per student. Yeah. Now, even though you might pay property taxes or you might pay rent, and some of your rent goes to property taxes, um, whatever property taxes you pay for your rent pays for is a tiny tiny fraction. Every business in your town, every retired couple, uh, every every home in town that doesn't have kids is helping to underwrite and subsidize the cost of your education. If you have employer subsidized health insurance, you're not paying the full cost of your health insurance. So let's say that it's not 350, but I think a hundred dollars per day is, is the all in cost of housing, clothing, feeding, medical care, and education for your children. So if you take 6.6 .6 million illegal uh, immigrants, times $100 per day on average. You know what that number comes out to? Uh, I can't do the math in my head, but- Try $240 billion a year. Billion. I would change my M to a B. <laughs> billion dollars a year. Now, to put that figure into perspective, according to HUD, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, you know what they estimate it would cost to end homelessness in this country per year? In other words, providing Probably. housing- for the thousands of homeless people, including tens of thousands of U.S. veterans, you know what they put that cost in per year? I'm going to guess not as high as the uh, immigration. Not only close. HUD estimates that for 20 billion per year, which is only 10, which is less than 10 percent, I think it's only like nine percent of that 240 billion a year. HUD estimates that you could house every homeless person in this country. Put it another way, what we are spending uh, on housing, clothing, feeding and educating little Im legal immigrants this year alone could provide housing for every homeless U.S. citizen for the next 12 years. Think about that. One year, the money we're spending on legal immigrants this year alone could house every homeless person for the next 12 years. I, I find that stunning, don't you? Yeah, it, it's you know, we we have so many things that need to be taken care of in, in our country, and we're putting a lot of aid towards essentially to other countries, these people that are coming into our country and, and they're here to, you know, they want a better life, you know? Right. By the way, and we've talked about this before. Now I've referred to them several times as illegal immigrants and the news, the news like to call them asylum seekers. Well, 
there's very, very strict guidelines uh, to qualify for asylum in this country, and one must be political or a religious persecution. And by the way, the process for applying for asylum in this country is you present yourself to one of the, I think there's 76 border crossings on the U.S.-Mexican border. The process is very clear. If you wish to seek asylum, you present yourself to one of the border crossings or one port of entry, and, and there's others like New York and Canada, but if you're coming from Mexico, you present yourself to one of the 76 border crossings and say, I wish to seek asylum in the United States. And they take you to room and have you fill out paperwork. You do not apply for asylum by sneaking across the Rio Grande River. And then after you get caught, say, oh, I want to seek asylum. That is not the process for seeking asylum. So um, some people will say, well, they're all asylum seekers. No, there are not 6.6 .6 million people fleeing religious or political prosecution. I'm sorry, but that just doesn't pass the smell test unless you want to disagree with me. You know, I think a lot of the people that are coming up through Mexico, not from Mexico, from Venezuela and in some of the South American countries where the 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 socialist countries where, you know, the the money is, you know, it's worthless, you know, it's toilet paper. Um those people that they're trying to flee a better life, they're they're fleeing the the bad government, the corrupt governments, the gangs. You know, I, I guess that you in a you could make an argument for that for some of those people that are coming up from those countries down in South America. Like well, the they're, fle they're fleeing they're fleeing poverty and they're fleeing violence. Yeah. But neither but neither one of those qualifies for asylum under US law. Mm -hmm. You have to be fleeing persecution, religious or political persecution. The fact that you might be killed by a gang um, is not grounds for asylum, at least not under the current law. Now, should it be? That's a different discussion. But the fact that you, you know, that your that your country or city is dangerous and your life your life is in danger under U.S. law is not grounds to be granted asylum. Um, so is it sad? Yes. But is it is it grounds for asylum? Not at this time. All right. I did watch a, uh, a a documentary about oh, I forget the name. It's the little piece of land between Panama and South America. It's the rainforest that's the deadly rainforest. I it was the journey that the, they. It's called the Darien Gap. Darien, yes, the Darien. Thank you. Right. It's a um, sixty. It's a sixty mile stretch where the pan the Pan American Highway was supposed to run from Alaska all the way down to through Chile. Yeah. But there's a sixty mile gap that was never finished, and it's. Uh, and all these people like coming up from Venezuela and Honduras, they have to go by foot. It's it's literally a dirt trail, um, mm -hmm. and it's and it's just loaded. oh, it's not dirt, it's mud. It's it mud. Deep, deep mud. It's called the Darien Gap, and it's it's yeah. there's there's uh, bandits and people who will kill you. It's one of the most dangerous stretches uh, on the entire what's supposed to be the Pan American. It's called the Darien Gap. Yeah, and people are interested. Just Google Darien Gap and and read about all the horrors and. How many people die every week trying to make the trip across the Darien Gap? All right. It's and it's amazing with the technology we have today that we can't figure out how to connect that sixty mile stretch of highway through <laughs> the jungle and the mud and. Yeah. Uh, well, again, it, it's not up to us, but uh, but yeah, it's been that way for thirty years, uh, and nobody's ever fixed it. Anyway. Uh, economic literacy, and I can relate to this because at one time I had a sister. Um, who was uh, kind of a raging liberal when she went to college. Anyway, uh, um, uh, this young man, he had a younger sister 
who had just gone off to her first year in college and she'd come home with break and she came in the first thing was oh you know capitalism is evil we need to get rid of all the corporations and you know help with socialism we need all you know transition to socialism so he wrote a letter to one of his professors at his old professors at george mason university and here's the letter that his this is a professor phd economics from george mason university um and by the way, I'm going to give you his name if you want to research this. His name is Donald J. Bordreau, professor of economics. Uh, he's he's also the he's got some chair. He's got anyway George Mason University, Fairfax University. And here's his response to this guy: Dear Mr. Runge, thank you for your email. You write that your sister, newly home from her sophomore year at Lehigh University, informed you last night that capitalism simply doesn't work. And you asked me to recommend material to share with her in hopes of prompting her to reconsider what you call her, quote, flirtation with socialism. And I'm going to skip the next paragraph. He rattles off, you know, three or four or five different books for her to, to read. But then he goes on. If your sister resists reading assignments uh, if, from her sibling, um, simply ask her to go to a supermarket. Safeway, Kroger, ShopRite, Wegmans, Whole Foods, Walmart. It doesn't matter. Ask her to wander down the aisles and behold all the items for sale. Really behold. Ask her to count the different kinds of items for sale. Ask her who makes that abundance of food and other grocery items possible. Ask her to take note of the packaging of each item. Ask her who designed those different packages. Who created the packaging materials. Ask if she knows how to make plastic containers to hold mustard or glass bottles to hold Merlot. Ask her if she knows anyone who knows anyone who knows anyone who knows anyone who knows how to do such things. Ask her who picked the cucumbers, who soaked them in vinegar and spices to pickle them, who created the vinegar, who found the spices, who grew the bananas, the broccoli, the beets, who squeezed milk from the cows and from the almond and the milk from the almonds, who caught the tuna, the tilapia, and who arranged the system of payments so that customers can purchase their groceries in a matter of seconds by swiping or tapping a piece of plastic. Ask your sister what guarantees do supermarket owners have that customers will buy the items sitting on the shelves. Remind her that there are no such guarantees, yet despite this fact, uh, these strangers every day cram their shelves full of items from around the world and offer to sell them to you at affordable prices, items that no one is obligated to buy. And ask your sister if the supermarket she visits today will be open tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and next month. Ask her how she knows that. Ask your sister for the name and address of the country's grocery czar or the website for the Department of Supermarkets. I know of no better and more accessible proof of capitalism success than a supermarket. One visit with an, with an inquisitive open mind to one of these modern emporias reveals the splendid and in some cases literal fruits of capitalism markets. The marvelous fruits of the division of labor, innovation, entrepreneurship, competition, finance, commerce, and trade, and economic freedom. So, and here's his closing sentence. Capitalism, capitalism plants in every neighborhood across America are monuments to its success. Monuments that being so commonplace in the U.S. seem to be mundane, but they are in fact magnificent. Tell that to your sister. What do you think of the professor's letter? Yeah, maybe you should uh, go across the river to Lehigh and be a guest speaker. <laughs> capitalism versus socialism. By the way, you know, uh, back when um, uh, uh, 
under Moscow and back before uh, Russia embraced uh, capitalism, that, you know, uh, people would line up for hours outside of stores to buy a loaf of bread and the stores would close at two o'clock in the afternoon because they would run out of bread. Now, today, 30 years later, if you go to Moscow, you can walk into any store at 10 o'clock at night and walk out three minutes later with a loaf of bread under your arm. So, you know, Russia went from capital from socialism to capitalism and the quality of life. Nobody, if you ask anybody in Russia, you want to go back to the good old days and nobody wants to go back to the good old days. All right. How much time we got? Yeah, you only have five minutes if you want to do your taxpayer relief shot. Yeah, I think we better skip. We'll save Timo for Timo for next time. But yeah, yeah. in the meantime, if you know anybody with Timo, uh, stop using it, take it off your phone, and we'll tell you why next week. All right. Taxpayer relief shot, Las Vegas. And again, I'll play real quickly the our quote from uh, Santa Rosa County, uh, Florida, telling you why we call them a taxpayer relief shot. And here we go. Somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save taxpayers money. All right. So, again, this is the this is a, a guy running from the cops in Las Vegas, and he's and he's he's out by the airport. And um, he sees a guy in a car and he says, I'm going to get away from the, I'm going to hijack carjack this guy's car. Here we go. Hopefully I got this without the commercial. Uh, maybe not. Well, here we go. Uh, I don't know. Here, here, we, here we go. And he started going towards the, the one-way street towards the, coming from the airport. And I, I just heard some shots. Yeah, she's describing what turned out to be a deadly shooting near the airport. It started with a man spray painting cars and then quickly became that shootout. Yeah, it ended when the man tried to carjack an innocent bystander to try to get away from cops. And a witness account you'll only see here on Fox 5, one woman describes how it all went down. A crime scene investigator picks up a gun from the road before placing it in a brown paper bag. It was lying next to a silver FJ Cruiser. Police say it was the suspect's gun he pointed at the driver and other people on Paradise Road north of Russell who just happened to be driving by. The driver of that car was armed with his own firearm and that person engaged him and shot the suspect. I heard screeching. Then I came out because I know this area pretty good. I've been, here, I've been living here for 22 years. Veronica Camiro spotted this white Mercedes with black spray-painted waves on it in her neighborhood next to Harry Reid Airport. See them, he had a gun in it right now. When they arrived at the vehicle, the driver was out of the vehicle, out of the vehicle and was wearing a mask spray-painting on the wall. Police started chasing the armed man on foot, but he ran up a hill and onto Paradise Road out of sight. I just heard the shots. As officers arrived, they found the suspect on the ground, shot. Officers immediately began to render aid to him until he was transported to Sunrise Hospital. And that is where the suspect died. Veronica says she is glad no one else was hurt. It could have been elderly. It could have been anybody, a single mother with kids. I'm just glad that that man was there with the gun at this time for this crazy guy. You hear what she said? I'm just glad that man, meaning the driver, was there with his gun yep. at this time. Kim Passoff, Fox 5 News, local. Las Vegas. Yeah, I just I was I'm just glad that man was there with his gun. And remember the the guy that tried to carjack him was armed too. I was, it looked like he had a 357 revolver. I looked at the gun. 
But that's our taxpayer relief shot. Anyway, with that, I uh, unless you've got something to add, I better sign off or run out of time. Anything? No, I, I somewhere along the way missed the memo that McCarran Airport is now Harry Reid Airport. Yeah, it's, yeah, now Harry. They, yeah, because I think Harry Harry Reid died last year or something. They renamed it uh, for Harry Reid, uh, former uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader. Anyway, I want to thank all of you listening podcast for giving up thirty minutes of your busy day to listen to me ramble on about things I find of interest. We'll get to Timo next week. Um, if you want to see some materials and story links you heard me talk about today, you can find them on the Jersey Joe website. Again, that's Jersey spelled with a R and a Z. J-E-R is at Robert, Z is at Zebra, E-E, jerseyjoe.com. If you want to email me, it's just joe at jerseyjoe.com. Uh, so feel free to email me with comments, questions, or suggested show topics. And if you have a vote on which one of our three contestants this week is the stupidest thing you heard all week, I'd love to hear your vote. Other than that, I've got nothing to add. Producer Sue, how about yourself? Nope. Enjoy this great weather. We don't have rain in the forecast, so maybe the lawn will take a break. You have plans for the Memorial Day weekend? Uh, you know, we're, as we discussed last week, uh, we are the birthplace of Memorial Day. So it, Memorial Day is a pretty big deal around here. Big deal. Parade. All right. Well, good. Enjoy your Memorial Day, and I'll talk to you next week. Good All right. Bye-bye.